What is up, my friend? Welcome to episode number 15 of the Anthony John Amix podcast. Today, we're going deep down the rabbit hole a bit, so you better buckle up because after all, this is a Sunday Sermon Edition, and I've decided to bring you some fire about how shadow work impacts your business, and I'm really excited to share my perspective with you around this topic because this is something that's really, really changed my life at a very, very deep and a very profound level, and you know, I really watch as it's transformed my own life. I watch as it's transformed the lives and the businesses of my clients. So it's going to be a cool topic. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Anthony John Amex podcast, helping entrepreneurs break through to new levels of peace, power, and profit. Prepare to open your mind to the proven tactics and strategies the world's leading intellects have used to avoid a stagnant career and achieve a life of freedom, purpose, and success. It's time to increase your levels of power with your host, Anthony John Amex. All right, well, welcome back. Now, before we hop too deep today, I want to let you know that it helps me tremendously when you go to iTunes and you rate and you review the show. For those of you who have done that, thank you so much. And one thing I really, really enjoy doing is giving some love to those people who have carved out time from their day to leave me a review on iTunes. It's like just my way of saying thank you. So Amber of Amplified HR, she wrote, AJ's truth bombs will take you to the next level. So Amber, thank you so much, man. I just, I really appreciate you and your kind words and just use a human. So thank you for showing some love for the show. Really appreciate it. And for those of you who need HR support, right? Like go check out what Amber is up to doing. You know, she's doing some really cool stuff over at AmplifiedHR.com. I mean, she's a wizard at helping business owners like with their HR support. So go check that out. And just a reminder, if you leave a review on iTunes for me, I'll definitely, you know, pick some of those to read as they come in. So let's dive into today's topic, right? So how shadow work impacts your business. Now, this is a topic I'm, I found I have a really deep passion about. Like it's something, it's something that has like moved me. It's something that has stirred within me. I've done a lot of work around this personally, and it's really really unlocked a lot of goodness in my own life. And in fact, I just got back like to Dallas just a couple days ago after spending four days in Kona, Hawaii. I was participating in a men's event with Shims Hartwell to do some like more of my own like deep diving, dive to the depth of my soul type work, uh, which is, you know, the shadow work. And I'm just like, I don't just like teach this stuff. I mean, this is stuff I embody. I live it. I live and breathe and bleed in the trenches with you guys. And um, man, it was an incredible, life-transforming experience. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about other men. I healed some really deep aspects of myself. And I totally, totally unlocked this new layer of just like freedom and my my mental capacity and my body capacity and my like soul capacity, man, and just really feel like I'm stepping into a whole new level of purpose for myself. Did some cool things like swimming with a sweet uh, a sea turtle. It was like, man, six inches with like from my, my face. It was really cool. I learned how to body surf on some of the waves. So it was good, man. It was really, really good. But I'm just telling you, like I love shadow work so much. And I found time and time again that it's a mover of the needle when it comes to taking your freedom, your purpose, and your success to the next level. So first, let's talk about like what is shadow work? And, you know, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. So simply stated, your shadow is the unloved part of yourself. It is the side of your personality that contains all of the parts of yourself that you really don't want to admit to having, right? 
I mean, typically our shadow stays hidden in the unconscious part of ourselves until we're willing to put in the work, to put in the effort to become self-aware enough to become conscious of it. And we're going to be talking about some of that work later on in this in this episode. So to be clear, the shadow self or the shadow, right, is the unknown side of ourselves, okay? And there's layers to bringing light to your shadow. And light is nothing more than like awareness, you know, cur- you know, courage to step into that dark part of yourself that you're rejecting, right? And there's layers to this game because the more that you continue to bring love and light to your shadows, well, the more freedom that you start to experience and really embody as a human. So just let me give you an example. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to kind of pre-frame this. I'm going to get ridiculously uh, personal in this episode and share some stories just to give you some context to help you kind of Make sense of this, and and maybe as you're listening to my own stories, that you can start seeing, like how does this, you know, translate to your experience as a human? Um, how do my shadows, maybe they, ref, you know, kind of reflect back to you? Maybe some of your own, or maybe they open your mind or your perceptions to some others of yours, right? So I'm gonna get just like pull off the the vulnerability piece here and just like get naked with you a bit. So here we go. So for years, I used to judge anger to be, you know, really bad. You know, like growing up, my mom, she would like snap and she would say things that really hurt me as a child. And so I started to create this belief system that said angry people are bad because angry people hurt people. And I made a decision long ago when I was a child, I will never be angry. Now, looking back, I didn't know I made the decision. I've done enough work now to know that I've made that decision. I made that agreement back when I was a child, right? I made the agreement, I will never be angry. And this led me to suppress my anger at a very, very deep level and ultimately become the nice guy, right? I traded in my power as a man to be the nice guy, believing if I was nice enough, well, then people would like and accept me. And looking back now, this was a total manipulation of like every single person I came in contact with because I put on a mask. I put on the mask of I am the nice guy. And I betrayed my own innate power as a man to be the nice guy so I could gain acceptance from others around me. And this like worked for me for a bit, right? At least I kind of thought it did. I mean, I didn't really... You know, I didn't have any courage growing up. I was afraid to go talk to the girls I wanted to talk to. I was afraid to ask girls out. I still dated and everything, but I didn't have like, I didn't really go after it, everything that I truly wanted because, you know, like internally, I kind of felt like this skinny, awkward white boy, if I'm really honest, you know? And like growing up, I did anything I could do to avoid being angry or being in an environment of being pushed beyond my limits of anger. And I remember like in college, like I never went out to the bars drinking with friends. And the reason was because I was deathly afraid of the anger that was locked up inside of me. It was like this monster. And I had this this like fear. And one of these fears was like, man, I was terrified of like, what if somebody comes, you know, go to the bar? What if somebody, you know, tries to start a fight with me in the bar? I was totally afraid of that scenario because I would have been the guy, you know, who wouldn't have tried to fight. i like, no, we're good, we're good. And I would have got pushed to a point where I would just like fucking snap, right? And I would have been the guy in the bar when I got pushed too far. I would have grabbed a beer bottle, broken it on the table and like gouged out somebody's eye with zero remorse, right? And I just had this like monster locked up in me and I didn't want anything like that to happen. I didn't want to hurt anybody. So I did the only thing that I knew at the time, which was avoid any scenario that may put me in a position to become angry because after all, angry people are bad. Now, and then when I started a business, like if there were conflicts with clients, I would try everything I could do, right? Being the nice guy to over deliver, 
so they wouldn't be mad at me because that was the last thing I wanted to be, you know, people would be mad at me, be the angry person, right? And so this led to me having clients that would continually take and take and take and take from me. And I would continue to give and give and give and give. And eventually I would burn out. And then in my marriage, when conflict would arise, I would just shut down and stonewall. I wouldn't speak the totality of my truth because the only thing I knew how to do was like speak from that, that anger, that asshole that was within me. And I didn't want to be that. So I would just suppress it. I would shut down because I didn't want to hurt Sarah with my anger. And I'm not talking about like physical violence or anything. I'm just talking about with angry words, with anger, you know, anything with anger. And so ultimately this led to like Sarah not trusting me at an intuitive level, right? I mean, she's a very smart woman. All women are. And so she would continue pushing and pushing and pushing me, like pushing me constantly, challenging me on these different levels. And while our relationship was really good, when conflict arose, if I get honest, like I hated our relationship when conflict arose because I felt disrespected. I felt trapped. I didn't know what to do. And because after all, I created a belief system and had made an agreement long ago in my childhood that anger is bad. Angry people are bad and I didn't want to be bad, right? But yet here was my wife being this highly intelligent woman who's very intuitive and she like knows the truth without anything being said and she could feel the lack of trust that I had for self. I didn't trust my anger and she could feel the lack of trust. And one of the greatest gifts that she's ever given me up to this point is continuing to really push me to the edges of my own darkness. She would bring the conflict to me, right? Bringing me the fire until one day I knew if I wanted to stay married and experience a new level of peace and freedom and success in my life, I had to do something about it. So I reached out to a coach, someone who I really admired, and he guided me into my darkness, into my shadow, and I had hired him to help me become certain in uncertainty, and this led me to going on my very first medicine journey. And this coach really had me prep by eating clean foods and juice fasting for the week leading up to the journey. And once I got to St. George, Utah, I was told to make a list of the three to five traumas I've experienced in my life. And I was also told to make a list of all of the things that I like and dislike about my mother and my father. And after about three or four hours of like journaling, this coach came in and he sat down with me and we reviewed the list together. And he started to help me see the common thread that was, you know, in all of this journaling I was doing. He helped me to see how the things I didn't like about my mom, like her anger, were things that I didn't like or love about myself. And I could see how I had rejected my mom's anger and how I too was rejecting my own anger, right? And there was a cost to rejecting this part of myself. Like by rejecting my own anger, I was robbing myself of my own power as a man. And it was costing me a deep level of connection and intimacy with Sarah. And it was also costing me a deep sense of passion and purpose and life in general. And so we gathered my things, which consisted of a sleeping bag, my journal, a pen, and a large bottle of water. And we rode together to the deserts of St. George, Utah. And this coach, he took me to a canyon of about, I don't know, 50 or 60 feet tall, something like that. And it was about 200 or so yards long. And at the end of this canyon, in the middle of this desert, there was like this small cul-de-sac of sand. It's probably, I don't know, like 10 feet in diameter. And he had me place my sleeping bag in the middle of that cul-de-sac of sand. And then he gave me a little over like two grams of MDMA. And he had me like pray into um, that MDA before I took it. And I said something like, Father God, please guide me into letting go of what needs to be let go of. Please heal what needs to be healed. 
Please open my eyes to see as you see, open my heart to fill as you fill, open my ears to hear as you hear. And then I took the single pill of MDMA and I laid down on the sleeping bag facing upwards towards the clear blue sky of the desert. I closed my eyes and I started to breathe deeply. And that day, I'm telling you, I held a lot of trauma that I had forgotten about in my life. And then on the second day, I felt led to go take MDMA again and also go lay down on the green grass in the backyard of, you know, this coach's place. And I was given another pill of MDMA. And again, I laid down on the sleeping bag facing, you know, upwards towards the sun, the clear blue sky with my bottle of water close by. And I closed my eyes and I started to breathe deeply. That was what I was told to do. And within about 35 minutes or so, I was like totally enveloped in this sense of love and peace that's really hard to describe. But then all of a sudden, this voice within me told me to open my eyes and look up towards the sky. And so I was like, all right, voice says, look, I look. So I looked. And in that moment, it was like this cloud of anger was descending upon me from the sky. And this cloud of anger, it didn't have a shape or a color or a form or anything like that. It was just this sense. It was like this sense that this is ginormous cloud of anger descending upon me from the sky and it was becoming closer and closer and closer to me and I remember looking at this anger and I was like terrified and I remember saying to God I was like yo dude like this anger stuff is scary can you make it go away and he said no be with it and I was like okay and so the anger of the the cloud of anger it really started coming down even closer and closer and closer and again I told God I was like yo man this anger is intense, bro. Like, can you make it go away, please? And again, he responded with, no, be with it, breathe. And so I was like, all right, I trust you, be with it, breathe. And the anger became so intense that it completely filled up my entire body until my upper lip like started to snarl. And I don't know if this was real or if I imagined this, but it was real to me, I tell you that. But my upper lip started to snarl like that of this rabid dog. And the intensity of anger filled my entire body to a place where I felt like I was legitimately a primal animal in attack mode, fearing for my life, just like snarling, just ah, right? And I felt the intensity of the most amount of anger I'd ever felt in my entire life. And then within seconds, the anger completely just left me. And this wave of peace and love enveloped me. And in that place, a thought occurred, which was, God is everything. God is anger, God is sexuality, God is sadness, God is fear, God is love. And by rejecting anger, I reject the totality of God moving through me. And that day, my friend, I brought light to my shadow of anger and I learned how to express my anger in a healthy way. I no longer had to repress it or suppress it or be afraid of it. I learned how to go to boxing class with Guy Mesger, which you may have remember or listened to from episode number 14. I learned how to harness that anger and channel my anger into a healthy form of expression and creation in the game of business and by using my mouth to communicate the totality of my truth. I learned how to allow my feeling anger and move it through my body and use my breath to really feel it and allow it and embrace it. And I learned how to listen to like, what did I want to change about my life? I learned that all emotions are messengers and anger's messages. I have a desire for something to change. I discovered that I no longer had to run from anger and said I could harness it and channel it to create like a big change in life and business. And this one breakthrough led to me having like 
the one of the best years in my business and my marriage up to that point. And this, my friend, is an example of doing shadow work. And then again, when I was in Hawaii this past week, there was another part of me hidden in the shadows. And it was this feeling of, I'm not good enough. Like this was a part of me that, honestly, I hated this part of me. I completely rejected this part of me. I hated this part of me that always felt like I was not good enough. And even though I had made friends with my anger, right, I had learned how to harness it, there was a part of me that was constantly angry because I kept feeling not good enough. I kept seeing this world through a lens of I'm not good enough. I kept hearing feedback from my wife through a lens of I'm not good enough. And I wanted to dive into that shadow because I had such a major breakthrough before. And I knew that there was healing to be done here. So I'm like, fuck it, let's dive deep into that motherfucker because we're going to bring some light to that, right? And I had a little bit of awareness around why this was occurring. Uh, I kind of had this aha on the plane ride there, actually. I kind of had this memory of like, man, when I was an 8, 9, 10-year-old boy, right? I remember my dad replacing the shingles on the roof of our home. And my dad was a general contractor, and he was a really good builder. And he had decided to replace the roof of our home. And one weekend while he was doing this, I remember like walking up the ladder to get on the roof, walking over to dad, crouching down as he was using the nail gun to like place on shingles and asking him, hey, can I help? And dad responded with, do you know where I can find any? And I remember feeling and thinking to myself back then as this eight, nine or 10 year old kid, I just kind of remember this, this feeling and this thinking to myself, I'm not good enough. Like that was the story. That was the belief system that I created. Like I created that. My father didn't create that. I created that. Now I know my father meant nothing by his comment. I mean, he was simply creating a joke that his father probably told him and that his grandfather told him, right? Like it was just this joke in the John Wayne, you know, Texas culture that I grew up on, uh, grew up in that was just like, is this what it is? It's just a joke, right? But in that moment, I created a belief that I'm not good enough. And I had been carrying that belief system, you know, you know, 34. So 24 years, if that was 10, (laughs) a little bit longer, you know, somewhere between 24 and 26 years, I've been carrying that belief system. And so going into Hawaii, I knew I wanted to bring the light to the shadow of mine and figure out how to release it. But I'm gonna be honest, I didn't know how. And when I got there, I even told the dudes, I was like, here's our map. I don't know how to do it. I need some help, right? So while I was there, we did this one exercise. I think it was the second day of the event where we hiked down into this group of trees into this desert area of, of Kona where we're staying. And like many cattle had died in this place for some reason. I don't even know why. It's this group of trees and a bunch of cows had died there. I don't know if people killed them there or if they just naturally went there, but there was dead cattle bones everywhere. That's all I know. I mean, there were just bones everywhere. And so we started calling this thing the cattle graveyard, right? And so on the way down to this cattle graveyard, because we did have to walk from our higher elevation down kind of into this pit, which was very metaphorical for me, we were asked to not talk to one another. And we were asked to really think about like, what part of us do we really want to let die? And as we're walking down into this cattle graveyard, I saw this wild brown goat off in the distance. And so I had stopped to look at it. And when I did this, this thought occurred to me. This thought was like, man, I'm like Abraham in the Old Testament of the Bible right now. I'm being asked to sacrifice my son. God is asking me to sacrifice my son. Now, I don't have a son. I only have a daughter. I I don't have a son. So this thought was just a metaphorical illustration, but I understood 
what God was telling me through this goat. God, the Father, consciousness, spirit, whatever name you want to call it, right? It expresses through me. And my expression is the Son. So for this, it's like the Father-Son relationship. And I understood that God was asking me to sacrifice how I'm currently expressing myself, i.e. I'm not good enough. Like God wants me to take my current awareness of my own identity and lay it on the metaphorical altar here. He wants me to be willing to sacrifice my current conception of self. So I was like, cool, I'm down to play. I, I, I agreed to that. So when I made it down to the cattle graveyard, our facilitator, he asked us men to like circle up and imagine our ancestors for 15 generations back. He asked us to use the power of our imagination to imagine our mother's ancestors on our left side and our father's ancestors on our right side. And undoing this, on my left, my great-grandmother appeared, my grandmother appeared, a bunch of black slaves, lots of Irish people, and a bunch of English people. They're all there on my left side. And on my right side, immediately, even though my dad's not dead, he was, bam, right there with me, his hand on my shoulder on my right side. My great-grandfather was there. And then there was like, this surprised me, a ton of Vikings. Where those guys come from, I don't know. But there was just, they were there. There was a bunch of Vikings, like lots of them, like crazy amounts of Vikings. And in this place, I just started to like cry. Like I wasn't like bawling, sobbing, but I was like definitely being with this sadness I felt. And I knew going into this experience, like, man, I have a lot of anger, but I also know that anger can mask sadness. And I never knew, like, why, why am I feeling so much anger? Like, am I trying to mask sadness, right? And I got, like, this, this really clear picture. It was like this, there was this war that was raging inside of me. Like, on my left side, I could feel the love. I could feel the order. I could feel the commitment to harmony. And then on my right side, I could feel the anger, I could feel the intensity of chaos and war and the willingness of my ancestors to rape and pillage towns. And this for me was a very, very sacred and powerful experience because within me, there is this tension. Like I have this craving to create love and belonging and order and harmony. It's like one of my highest values that I'm constantly leaning into and like, how can I do more? How can I do more? How can I do more? Yet I also feel this unbridled sense of chaos and love for war. And for years, I've judged my dad for like not growing. Like ever since the divorce, I have judged him. Since 2013, I've had this strained relationship with him. Like we went from hunting and fishing together and having, you know, dinner pretty much weekly because I own the house next to him to selling that house and now only seeing him and speaking with him pretty much on holidays. And it feels like surface level and almost fake. And there's this part of me that like longs for him. There's a big part of me that feels a lot of sadness for like not having him as more of an active role in my life. And I've tried multiple times over the past seven years to create a place of mutual trust and respect. And in that place of being with my ancestors, I could see and feel my dad standing right next to me with his hand on my right shoulder. And I could feel his sense of sadness. And I could see how I have judged him for his apathy. And I could see also that he doesn't have the capacity nor the tools to leverage the anger within him because he comes from the same ancestry lineage of Vikings. That same anger, that same desire for passion and expression lives within him. But unlike me, 
He hasn't faced or known how to bring the light to the shadow to harness that raw power and transmute it into a force for good. And instead, he suppresses it and chooses the only outlet he knows to keep that raw passion and power at bay, which is apathy, through numbing himself of all expression and connection. It's hard for me to put this experience into words, but I want to share it with you while it's fresh on my heart, and I hope it's making sense to you and serving you. Because part of my intention with this podcast is always being as vulnerable as possible with you to share the lessons I've learned from the trenches. You see, prior to this experience, I had a habit of when conflict would arise, I would stand in the fire with any human being on the planet, and I would be willing to die before I backed down. Now, that hadn't always been the case before I befriended anger, but once I befriended anger, I would stand in the pocket with you to my death. It's like I knew how to express my anger in a healthy way, and I felt very comfortable in expressing my truth and bringing the totality of my power to any human being. I understood how to harness tactical conflict resolution communication scripts, right? Any place, anytime, I'm down to go. Now, to be clear, this didn't mean I would ever be violent in conflict with my wife or another human or myself. It just meant if conflict would arise, as it will in the human experience, I would be willing to rip off my armor and lay it all on the line, right? Now, it also meant when things got too good, Like the first time I would hear criticism for something that I didn't do, I immediately felt like I wasn't good enough. And guess what I would create? War. So let me give you an example. Things may be going really awesome, right? And then out of nowhere, Sarah may something like, hey, you left $100 on the bathroom counter. Like, why didn't you put it someplace safe? Like, if you don't respect money, it will not respect you. Like, that's all she'd say. And in that, here's what I would hear. I'm not good enough. (laughs) What the fuck are you thinking? Can you not be a responsible husband with money? Like, that's what I heard. That's not what she said, but that's what I heard. And in that, I would create war by responding with, why do you think I don't care about money? And then we would argue about both of us not feeling seen or appreciated. And I wouldn't back down until Sarah chose to drop it. And it's pretty silly and petty, right? It's a complete waste of energy when what we both want is to simply connect. And this, my friend, is what I mean by a love war. And this was my shadow. And in that experience at the bottom of that cattle grave, I learned like Abraham, I didn't have to kill my son, right? My current expression. I only had to be willing to kill it, to be willing to let it go. And in the bottom of that cattle grave on the big island of Hawaii, I shared with these men, like with tears dripping down my eyes of like this war within me, that I didn't know like what to do with this anger. And Shem's Hartwell, he was a dude leading that event, amazing human. He really brought the light to me and he said, yo, man, you don't need to make it go away. Like the fire, the passion, the war, like it's a part of you and it's in your blood, brother. So rather than fighting it, embrace it, create healthy routines through fitness to leverage it and give it a healthy outlet. And later that night when I shared more in the circle with the men, how when I feel criticized by my wife, I feel like it's like this constant wave that's just like smashing me and crashing like down on me and how I fear that I don't have the capacity to withstand the storm. One of the men asked me a simple question. He was sitting on my left. He said, AJ, do you know anything about the Viking maritime traditions? And I said, no, nah, I don't. And he said, well, I've sold my entire life and I study this shit and I do. And he looked deeply within my eyes. I'll never forget this. He looked like 
like a laser into my eyes. And he said something like this. The Vikings were some of the fiercest people that had ever lived. They saw and conquered lands that no culture at that time had ever seen or knew existed. And when they sailed, brother, they would become the storm. They embraced the storm. When things got tough and scary, they would chant and beat the drum and bite down and row through the storm. No matter how scary it was, they became the storm, AJ. They were the storm. And then when they made it through the storm, they would keep that passion alive and burning and they would live literally stormed the castle or the village. And this word, storm the castle, like this came from the Vikings because they brought the storm. They were the storm and you are the storm, brother. It is your gift. You have the capacity to be the storm. And I remember when he said this, like it clicked for me. Like I've spent my entire life since I was eight, nine, 10 years old trying to be good enough. And I learned I don't have to. <laughs> I already am enough. Like, I'm already enough. I can embrace my Viking lineage and bring my intensity to help humanity grow. And that week in Hawaii, like, it changed me. It transformed me from the inside out because I allowed myself to bring the storm to myself. And I also brought the storm to the men around me. And every single day, no matter how intense it got, they thanked me for it. They told me they could feel my intensity, but they also could feel my unconditional love. And again, it clicked. Yes, I am intense. Yes, I do hold people accountable to step into their potential, yet I can also accept them for exactly where they are. My value of growth and potential doesn't have to be someone else's value that they must embody. And I must stop seeing my dad through a lens of the past of what he used to be and instead see him for who he is today. And the only way I got to that place was by being willing to bring the light of love to my own shadow and having the courage to go into the pit of my own darkness. And as a result, I know in this moment, I am enough. I have nothing to prove or defend, not to my dad, not to my wife, not to my mom, fucking no one, not even myself. I have nothing to prove. And I'm here to tell you this, this new layer of freedom has allowed me to hold more space for connection and presence for my wife and daughter than ever before. And this, my friend, is why shadow work is so important because it truly impacts how good You can stand it. And I'll tell you right now, if you spend the majority of your time attempting to suppress and not be the thing that you hate that you are, you are that. Because by doing so, you are creating a life in response to the very thing that you are not. And it has been said that what you resist persists. For me, I have spent a lot of my own resources and a lot of my own energy trying to avoid not being angry. And guess what I was? Angry. And the more I avoided it, the angrier I became. And I spent many years of my life, I told you this, attempting to avoid not being good enough. And guess what I constantly felt like within? Not good enough. And this is why what you resist persists. And this is why shadow work is vital. If you truly want to reach the next level of freedom, purpose, and success in your life and business. And Marianne Williamson has a poem in her book, Return to Love, called Our Deepest Fear. And it states, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. 
Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that was within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And I find as I dive more and more into my own shadows and I watch other of my clients and other people dive into their own shadows, right? Their fears, their deepest fears and their deepest insecurities, the more this poem becomes true for me and for other people because I start to doubt if those I love the most, my wife and my daughter, like can they handle the totality of my power and my light? Like I have thoughts like this. Like I have thoughts of like, will they rise up to meet me in my light and continue the journey with me? Or will they be left behind as I continue to rise? And my friend, like this is a deep-rooted fear that many high achievers carry at a deep level when they start to wake up. It's a deep unconscious fear of leaving behind those they love most. And this, my friend, is an example of an unconscious fear that one gets to bring to the light. For me, I've found that the more that I rise up and I lean into my own shadows, the more it actually liberates those around me and my wife and my daughter continue to rise up and meet me in the next evolution of greatness because I'm willing to be vulnerable with them. And I do my best to communicate and keep us moving in the direction of our dreams and of our purpose together. Now, I know I've been sharing a lot of my own personal stories about my own shadow, but my hope is that my vulnerability starts to help you see and understand your own shadows, your own fears, your own insecurities that exist. And maybe for you, it's anger like it has been for me. Or maybe your shadow is around suppressing your sexuality or sadness or grief. Or maybe your shadow is around not being reliable or being an asshole or a bitch or a whore. Like I have a friend of mine who had a shadow around being a whore because his father was a whore who slept around and he vowed he would never be like his father. And yet since he rejected ever being a whore, when he aligned with the truth, guess what he was being? A whore. Now for him, he wasn't being a whore like his father by sleeping around with other women, but he was whoring himself out for money by not owning how much value he had as a coach and charging accordingly. See, shadow work is sneaky, man. And our egoic identities, they do everything they can to convince us to keep playing small and rejecting our own shadows. So how can we do shadow work? Well, first, I believe it's really hard to do it by yourself because like I said before, shadow work is sneaky. I mean, it's usually lying in the parts of you that you don't even know that you know. So having someone who can hold a space of unconditional love for you and also help you tap deep into your own soul It's really going to help you be able to do some really, really powerful shadow work. And I do this type of work um, at my uprising events that I hold once a quarter. Now, you can also start to acknowledge any time that you point the finger to judge another human, right? There's a part of that that lives within you as well. So just like in the example I shared of my friend judging his father as a whore, when in reality, he was a whore by whoring himself out for clients. So If you find yourself pointing the finger at another, remember there are always three fingers pointing right back at you. Like if you spot it, you got it. And this goes for both the good and the bad. Now, another thing you can do to start like doing some shadow work is learning to become aware of and heal your own inner child. Like as I've shared with you today, a part of my own inner child created this story that I wasn't good enough. 
And I set out to prove to myself that I am good enough, right? And now after spending four days with 11 other powerful men in Kona, Hawaii, like the light has been shed on that shadow of mine. And now I know like, man, I have nothing to prove, not even to myself, which feels really, really good. I'm like just totally free to just be and express all of me and just, it's all good, right? In Mark 2, verse 22, Jesus says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. If you're open, I'll have you consider that you're nothing more than a soul wrapped in a skin bag. And if you try to execute new strategies and tactics and tools from an old skin bag, like an old way of being, right? Not the totality of you, an old way of being that you will self-sabotage your attempt to create a new level of freedom, purpose, and success in your life and business. And why is this? Because a glass can only contain what it can spill. If your current capacity is only a four-ounce glass, then you can only spill out four ounces of liquid, period. So if you want to spill out more liquid, you must become a bigger glass. And this, my friend, is the gift of the shadow work. And this is its impact on your life and your business because we all have parts of ourselves that we haven't loved or accepted. And by loving and befriending that part of you that you chose to shut down at some point, you increase your capacity to produce more love, more connection, more fun, more freedom, and more profit in your life and your business. So my invitation to you is this. Where in your life are you currently saying that you're not that thing? And how much time and energy and resources are you spending each week trying to convince yourself and other people that you are not that thing? And as a result, how much more freedom, peace, power, and purpose would you have in your life if you simply stopped trying not to be that thing? And instead, you started to embrace and bring the love to that unloved part of yourself. I know if you get this and have the courage to lean into your own edges and dive deep within your own shadows, you'll unlock a new level of freedom, purpose, and success that you never knew were even possible for you. And I'm here to tell you, if you want something that you've never had before, then you must be something and do things that you've never done before. So my friend, that's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony Johnny Mix podcast. I know this is a very deep conversation, but it's one that not enough business owners are having. So I hope you get a lot of value from this episode. I mean, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being here. And if you're vibing with today's topic and like you're starting to see how shadow work has a major impact on your business, then I want to invite you to you know apply to attend the uprising. It's a three and a half day event that I host with my co-facilitator, Jonathan Heston. You may remember him from episode number six. And the uprising is a transformational event where like I combine multiple disciplines of healing. I mean, we're talking about meditation, breath work, psychology stuff, personal development stuff, you know, breakthrough experiences. And we're using all of these things to collapse 10 to 15 years of healing your shadows into three and a half days and I know that's a bold promise, but this is what many of the past participants have said. So if you're serious about making this year one of the best years of your life, you know, most profitable years in your business, I know the Uprising is one of the events that can help make that possible for you. And you can learn more about that event at just going to www.uprisingadventure.com. And I guarantee you that event will transform your life from the inside out forever. 
It's not some motivational, you know, rah-rah, hype-you-up, you know, type event that's going to wear off after a few weeks. I mean, this is a deep-dive event that transforms who you are being at a cellular level, and it will keep you transformed for many years to come. So you can go check that out again at uprisingadventure.com. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're having an amazing day. Lots of love to you. Till next time, my friend, I'm out. Peace. That's all for this episode of the Anthony John Amex podcast. But we have plenty more to help you achieve a life of freedom, purpose, and success. Head on over to ajamix.com for exclusive resources, information, and tools to break through to new levels of peace, power, and profit. We look forward to having you back for the next episode of the Anthony John Amex podcast. Bye for now.